We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to come to you guys once again. And I think we have another great episode for you this time out. First and foremost, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if this is your first time, we uh, suggest that you go and check out past episodes. And there's several ways to do that. And uh, I'll give you a rundown of what we're going to get into. But first, let me tell you how you go back and listen to those past episodes. You can go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's wadeswordproductions.com. That's all things D-Wade, whether it's stage stuff, whether it's sports stuff, whether it's the Friday Express stuff, whatever it is, you can go there. Also, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. And, of course, on Twitter at Wade's Word and on Instagram, D-Wade909. I think that's all of them, right? D-Wade 909, that's all of them. And also, the 24-hour day sports line, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Now, uh, this episode, one of our guys, friends, uh, a friend of the show, our guy, former NFL, what, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Done some great things in the NFL. Won a Super Bowl in the NFL. Santana Dotson will join us in the second half of the show, and we will talk about Colin Kaepernick. We'll talk about coronavirus. We'll talk about college football. We'll talk about a number of things. And, of course, uh, he spoke to and met George Floyd several years ago. He went to the same alma mater. So that should be a very interesting conversation coming up in the second half of the show. But to start things out, we're going to get into some headlines. Also going to hit you with some we the people and uh, we have a he got game segment we haven't done that one in a while and of course in the second half after we hear from santana it's another lemon award for this episode's big dummy of the podcast and of course before i let go so a lot to get into i'm excited hopefully you are as well i'm feeling a little bit better a little bit better We'll get into some uh, what's brand new with me also in the second half. So we have a lot going on, uh, but I'm I'm feeling a little bit more upbeat in some respects. In other respects, it's a tough, tough time, and it's going to be that for a minute. But, hey, you know what? We're built for that, right? We can do this. We can do this. With that, it's time for some headlines. In headlines, I tell you what, man, it feels like bizarro world, not only in and around the world of sports, but also just in life. That's why I said I was doing better. Physically, I'm fine, but like everybody else, there's a just a, so much uncertainty in society, uh, whether it's uh, the resumption of games, whether a lot of people are still unemployed. Are the, is there going to be a second wave? We are seeing a spike here in the state of Texas because we reopened too soon. It's enough. I mean, and not only the, the shooting in Atlanta and then, of course, still recovering from the reverberations, which will, will continue for years to come, uh, of the murder of George Floyd. It's just a lot 
I mean, I, you know, they talk about the late 60s and 68 being a tumultuous time. I want to say it was the Democratic Convention in Chicago, the murder of Martin Luther King, just all of the things that went up to fight against the Vietnam War, everything that was going on in 68. I <laughs> Checkmate. I'll put 2020 up against that. And we have not lost any major leaders. We just don't have a major leader. But again, the, the world change is changing as we speak. And it's all because of well, not just because, but it was ignited by the murder of George Floyd. And we are seeing the reverberations in the sports world. You talk about that. The NFL, but you talk bizarre world. Can you believe that the NFL is inviting? Well, at least the commissioner is Roger Goodell wanting to see Colin Kaepernick back on the NFL team. Can you imagine that? Could you have imagined that before? For him apologizing, saying, hey, yo, we got this thing wrong. We were on the wrong side of history. Can you believe that, that Roger Goodell said this? And he encourages teams to sign Colin Kaepernick? Now, we'll talk about what people think about whether Colin Kaepernick should return to the NFL or not if offered an opportunity. That's coming up in the We the People segment. But that is, it's crazy. I have railed against Bill O'Brien for being authoritarian I think that there was a lack of respect of, and, and and maybe, maybe it's not a black thing. I it's hard. I have a tough time with that, so I have to work through my own feelings about that. It never felt like he was for the brothers, and and, and again, I, you see a trade like like uh, that of Dwayne Brown for speaking out. You see the way uh the way that they did not want to keep DeAndre Hopkins. They said for contract reasons and I and I sort of believe that, but I also think he, he I think he likes more docile type players, just get it, just do what I say type players, in my opinion. You never know. He said all the right things. He's done all the right things. He's saying he's taking the knee. You gotta say, well I have to say to myself, okay, well we'll see what actions he takes Going forth, is he just an or was he a racist? It was he a racist in the first place, and he's reformed, or he's just in general, which there are plenty of those. So, again, I I don't, you know, I know what people have said when they've called in the KTSU sports talk. I don't know if I affirm all of what people feel, but I've, I've, I feel some type of way about the way he's handled himself as head coach of the Houston Texans. But again, credit where credit is due for this portion. He said he has a he's had conversations. He's learned some things. He's adjusting and, and growing as a person. Now, again, we have to get into this thing. Do we believe people when they say they've changed? Or are you, this is the rhetorical question to you guys, are you able to change? I can tell you that there are several areas in which I have done a 180 from the way I was raised or I'll say more societal views. I'll say that, that I, that I adopted on my own and you see, okay, you get old and you, you see things differently. I have, I've, I've grown or have you grown? And if you have, who are we to say that others can't? So, again, I'm not giving him a pass. We, but It's a wait and see, but at least he said the right thing so far, and uh, we'll see what happens there. When you talk about the coronavirus, it's still out there. This week, the Texans, several Texans, we don't know names, 
But we do know Texans and Dallas Cowboys tested positive for the coronavirus. That's a huge, huge deal for several reasons. Now, see, these guys are young, in the best shape of their lives, world-class athletes. So here's my question. If you are able to get over the coronavirus, if you're able to make that happen, do you get to, are you going back to 100% as a world-class athlete? Because they always say, okay, well, this many people have recovered. What does recovery look like? Because we're hearing respiratory damage. We're hearing that people aren't quite the same. Inflammation, clotting, cardiac events. Are we looking at some of that? We don't know yet. And that's another reason why I am skeptical of everything that's going on. You, you just don't know. We just don't know yet. So um, th- with that being said, we'll see moving forward. We saw the University of Houston had voluntary workouts. Six players tested positive. So guess what? They've canceled voluntary workouts. So we'll have to see. Everybody's moving forward like this thing is over. We saw the first cancellation of a game uh, of 2020. The first game to be canceled in football. It's the Heritage Classic, Tennessee State versus the Swags Jackson State. First game canceled. That happened today. Don't have all the details on that yet, but that game has been canceled. So we don't know what's going to happen yet. It's not a given that this thing will go off as planned. The NBA, they're working out the details of on getting closer to going to the bubble and sequestering themselves at the Disney complex. I mean, if you got to go and you have to have a – quasi-monastic existence, hey, it's best to have ping-pong tables and and lounges and uh, I'm sure a five-star room on the Disney complex. You'll have a 24-hour concierge service. No visitors yet. And there are a lot of questions around that. And players have to answer by the 24th of June on whether or not they are coming, uh, going to participate. And they're saying that if they don't, they could lose up to one fourteenth of their salary. Now, a lot of people don't think they should go for health reasons. Others are starting to say, of course, we shouldn't go because it's a distraction given all the racial, all of the protest and all the energy behind the racial injustice fight, the fight against racial injustice. So we are seeing this and Kyrie Irving and I know that Dwight Howard allegedly said or reportedly said that, you know, this is not the time for basketball because it takes away from the movement. Now, I'll ask uh, you guys about that. And I want to get your take on that. 832-941-6614. I heard Stephen A. Smith say, oh, no, uh, you, you don't go to work just because, uh, you know, of civil rights. You always got to go to work. Well, OK. I generally support going to get your money and then affecting change. But let's be real. Stephen A. Smith, yours truly, you know, it's a conflict of interest for for us. I'm a sports talk show host. So, of course, I want to be able to talk about basketball. But see what he what Stephen A. Smith and I don't hate to get into what somebody on a national level said or somebody on ESPN. But essentially he's saying, you know, oh, you know, you could do both. Well, here's the deal. We, you know and I know that he, he wouldn't even be talking about the movement had basketball, football, baseball, had, been, had they been going on. The George Floyd movement would not have the same energy if everybody 
was back at work and back at school. And the players, if they're not there, you're going to have to talk about racial injustice. You don't have anything else to talk about as it pertains to basketball. Baseball can't get on the same page. They don't know if they're going to resume playing at all. And football, I quite frankly, don't think we'll be able to continue for health reasons. So I don't support necessarily guys just boycotting. But I'm not going to just blast them if that's the decision they make. Because in reality, you will have to focus more on the George Floyd situation, the situation in Atlanta, and what these guys are doing. Now, again, I think personally, they will benefit more from getting that money and coming up with a plan strategically on how they can pool resources to make real sustainable changes. But I get the point. And I think to say, oh, they just don't want to go to work. First of all, that's a very uncomfortable narrative. The undertones of that narrative, Stephen A. Smith, that these lazy black players don't want to go back to work. That's a that's kind of deep undertone. I don't know if he realized what he said. So 80 percent minority league, 80 percent African-American league. He said, you don't go to work for civil because of civil rights. Wait a minute, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't like the undertone. No, it's not that they're not going to work. These guys had to work to get to where they are. This is a decision of how we can most effectively make a change and do our part with our our platform because i can guarantee you this all the george floyd all the racial injustice stories will go away when the games start so no no they can think this they can have these dialogues and some of them may not want to play it's a tough one I mean, i'm i'm about getting the money and then because again if you're broke then we, we we're all broke but if you got 35 million dollars you can do a lot to affect change a lot more than i can from a financial standpoint, you can do things and get in the rooms and make things happen that I can't make happen. But if they're all broke, then we are all broke and we don't have the resources we need to affect change in certain ways. So, again, want to get your take on that 832-941-6614. So that's 832-941-6614. NBA getting closer to getting in the bubble do you think that's going to happen? Also, college football, the landscape is changing dramatically because the players are, have empowered themselves and have been empowered by the George Floyd movement, the movement to end racial injustice. And I have to say, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And this is what I love about African-Americans. Think about what we have done. Think about jazz and hip-hop and the art and the music and all of the things we've produced, the, the, the athletes that are celebrated around the world, the, the leadership, the political leaders celebrated around the world from Barack Obama to Robert Jordan to Shirley Chisholm. I mean, going back to reconstruction. I mean, you, you look at what African-Americans have done the most, I mean, really one of the most adversely affected groups in the, his, the history of mankind, especially modern history, just all that we've been through and still, you know, we continue to do work and influence the world. Music that we've created resonates all around the world. Movements started by Martin Luther King resonate all around the world. Malcolm X known all around the world, affected and motivated people all around the world. African-Americans. And we're seeing it again. The movement that started with African-American people in the United States is, is the message is resonating around the world. I saw the Premier League, the English Premier League, take a knee and put Black Lives Matter on the back of their jerseys. Now, that's symbolism. But again, it's important. It's important. Symbols are important. That's why we want the statues torn down. As it pertains to the statues, tell all that shit. 
down. Get it down. Get it out of here. These were not people who should be celebrated in America. They tried to overthrow and, and destroy America. So no, no. They wanted to promote and maintain slavery. They wanted to own people. No, no, <laughs> no. So the movement is resonating around the world. And it's a beautiful thing to see. We've seen protests and, and murals done all over the world from in Syria, Belgium, Germany, England. It's been a beautiful thing. And it all originated with African-American people standing up and saying enough is enough. The whole diaspora is benefiting from that energy around the world. And I hope that it, it will eventually get the world to a better place. So, again, I, that's kind of deep. That's a long way to go. Um, but those are, are important things. But African-American players empowering themselves on the college level. They want the eyes of Texas no longer to, to be the fight song of University of Texas. They want the statue of Saul Ross removed to Texas A&M. Dabo Sweeney has done all kinds of things to, to make it right in Clemson. They've changed the name of buildings of slave owners at Clemson. Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, supporting a far-right media outlet, <laughs> which, which is bizarre to me. How do, you, how do you feel the way you do and then go in and talk to parents and legitimately have, care about their kids? I just don't, I don't understand the cognitive dissonance in, in that process. Unless you just really look at those guys like commodities. I, I hate doing that because that's the easiest, laziest way to look at things. But again, how can you support some of that stuff and say, I love my, my African-American players. I'm going to help make them men. How do you, I mean, is it just about exploitation? It has to be. The odds are it has to be for some, but that's just. How can you be for some of that foolishness and then turn around at this time when Black Lives Matter and people are sad and hurt and upset about all the things that have been going on for 400 years in this country and you want to support this far-right, whack, unbelievable outlet that spews all kind of conspiracy theories and then turn around to your black flag. So, again, I want to get your thoughts on that one as well. Times are changing and not a moment too soon. So give me a call, hit me up on Twitter, go to wayswordproductions.com. Let me know how you feel. For more content, go to wayswordproductions.com. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, we go to you guys. I ask you guys questions either on the WaysWorkProductions.com website or on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page or group on Facebook. I ask you guys questions and I invite you to call 832-941-6614. Won't get into any phone calls this time, but instead I will present what you guys said when asked a couple of poll questions. We started with, are you willing to attend large sporting events without social distancing accommodations this fall? Now I asked that because that's because we've not heard plans yet for the NFL. I think the NFL and I think some college football uh, programs want to have fans without restrictions. I think they do because I've not heard anything concrete about fan, you know, having fans in stands. We're getting pretty close here. 
We don't know about taking temperature. We don't know about staff members, uh, staff in the stadium. We don't know about concessions. There's so many things uh, with people who've not said that we will not have fans yet. College programs have not said we will not have fans. So we have not heard what kind of social uh, distancing accommodations that they plan for in the fall. So I just threw it out there to see what you guys said. And 100% of you said no. 100%. No one said, yeah, I'm willing to go. No, we know in reality that there are folks who will want to go and will go. Look at the, look, I'm in Houston and we're experiencing a surge. And it's all because people are, the bars are open. The restaurants are open. Some of the clubs are open and no social distancing. Nobody's afraid. I mean, look, it's not like it's a ghost town. You go anywhere, anytime, and it's crowded. Too crowded for a global pandemic. So I don't know what to say. So we know statistically that there are people willing, ready, and able to go to games without social distancing provisions. They won't even wear masks. That's a whole thing now. People are just ignorant about wearing masks. Like, like, I'm not wearing them, and I'm going to defy. See, this is what kills me. And I heard Aubrey Huff, oh, you know, if you're sick, pre-existing conditions, if you want to live your life in fear, you go ahead, but I'm not. Now, Aubrey Huff, former Houston Astro, how many guns you have? Do you live in a gated community? If you're so brave, you don't give a damn. If you ain't scared of shit, give me your guns. Turn over your guns. But all of these people, oh, I'm not going to live in fear. How many guns do you have? How many guns do you have in your house? Like, (laughs) you're not afraid of something that we know is killing people. 117,000 people. Yeah, I'm not afraid of that. How many guns do you have? So if you're so damn brave, let's see how brave you are. Turn in all your guns. Don't live in a gated community. Take that state-of-the-art security system out of your home. Do all of that if you're not afraid. But so, you're so brave when it comes to an illness, especially when 55% of the people who are dying are African-American and Hispanic. I guess that's where your bravery comes from. But anyway, I say all that. Everybody, you know, wear your mask, please. We can really slow this thing down to a crawl if everybody simply practice safe social distancing and wore masks. But that's an argument for uh, that's an argument for lost cause second question should nba players refuse to play this season in light of the fight against racial injustice so now this was a much more close uh thing but again i alluded to stephen a smith's comments and and, and again personally i believe go ahead and play make your statement have the cameras on you and get your money and then you guys while you're sequestered you can you can go ahead and come up with a plan for what are you going to do how you're going to pool resources to make change uh so how many said yes they should sit out 53 percent said yes sit out 47 said no play ball so again i think they should play ball and again finish up I, now i have my problem with the nba is that i don't think this is a legitimate title I want to asterisk um, by the by the championship. That's that's my whole that's my issue. I, I just I don't want I don't want them to be whoever the champ is, even if it's the Rockets. I don't want them to be called the champs in the traditional sense. I'm telling you, NBA Cup. That's what they should have went with. Finally, I ask you guys: If offered a job in the NFL, should Colin Kaepernick return to the league? said yes, 21% said no. Why is this even an issue? Well, a lot of people feel as a martyr, he can stay out and have more of an impact on 
social causes and and really highlight uh, his whatever his causes are uh, by being the guy that was thrown out of the NFL. And if he does come back, the NFL gets to say, oh, look at us. We've grown. We're over it now. Get over it now. Everybody get over it. Let's let him come back. And all's well that ends well. Some people feel like, no, he shouldn't give them the opportunity to do that. I think, look, it's up to him. It's up to him. If he wants to play, he should play. We'll see if he wants to play. I think that's going to be an issue moving forward, but we'll see. With that, going to shift gears here a little bit and go to a segment called He Got Game. He Got Game. The He Got Game segment is when we recognize somebody who has game, who's done it big, and usually on the fields, uh, in their fields of play. But this time we're honoring Bubba Wallace, NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace. And you say, well, you know, by now most of you guys know. But for those who don't, you say, well, why do you honor uh, Bubba Wallace? Has he won a Sprint Cup, the Sprint Cup Series? Has he, does he, has he won at Talladega? Has he won Daytona? What is he the points champion, a points leader? No, he's none of those things. What he is is a 26-year-old African-American driver in NASCAR. In fact, the only full-time African-American driver in NASCAR. In fact, the only African-American full-time driver since 1971 when Wendell Scott was the only African-American driver. So I say all that to say he's good enough and he's, you know, middle of the pack or whatever. He's not he's not a champ yet. He's still young in the game, I guess. I don't know what the, the age ranges are usually. For, for drivers. I know they get out of the game pretty early, but I'll say this. He stood up during Black Lives Matter. He saw what happened to George Floyd. And he said to himself, you know what? We have to make changes. Black Lives Matter and NASCAR too. And I'll tell you what. He said to NASCAR, we need to ban the Confederate flag from all of our events. Now, I said, there's no way in hell that's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to spin this, but that's not going to happen. And I tell you, he stood up. And he was loud and he was vocal and he was, he was, anywhere they had a camera, he said he stood up for his beliefs. And it's easy to do that in a league where 80% of the players are African-American, like in the NBA. It's easy to do it when it's 70 plus percent of players like in the NFL or what, 12, 15% in Major League Baseball. It's easy to do that. It's hard to do it when you're the only one. He's one of one. That means he's the only African-American in a lot of circles in and around his sport. And only God knows what he's had heard, endured, had to ignore, had to deal with. Not only from maybe the folks in the sport, which I'm whatever, but the fans. The fans are absolutely, they're, the, they're horrible. Okay, it's, And again, I'm not saying, but, but look, okay, I can't say that. I don't, I don't want to say that, but I can say this. You raving the flag around, you know damn well that's not creating an open and inviting atmosphere for African-Americans. You know damn well. There's a reason why no African-Americans have been involved in NASCAR since 1971. Wendell's got. So for him to do what he did, and I give all the credit in the world to NASCAR for saying, yes, we're banning the Confederate flag. And if you don't understand, I'll say, so what happens is around these events, they're huge, massive events. In in the infield, I guess, I guess what mobile homes come in, they pay or whatever, and they, I guess they stay there for the weekend or what, however that works. But they're in the infield, and you see so many Confederate flags and 
go Trump flags and all of those and the politicization of the sport. You talk about Colin Kaepernick, you know, Trump loves anytime he he's feeling low and he needs a little bit of attention. He'll go to NASCAR. I think he flew over D- Daytona and Air Force One this year. He knew he was pandering to his crowd. And that's not been a very open and welcoming crowd for African-Americans. And for Bubba Wallace to do what he did, he's 26 years old, born in Mobile, Alabama, raised in Concord, or Concord, I don't know, depending on what part of the country you're in, Concord, North Carolina. And again, he's he's he came in second in 2018 at Daytona. And like I said, he's he's trudging along, and maybe one day he'll have a big breakthrough. I saw him on, what, at Martinsville, short track. I've been watching NASCAR. And there was a time, again, there was a time when NASCAR was kind of making a push to gain a little bit more popularity. But I think their fan base, more even more than their drivers, because all of their drivers weren't Southern guys. I think a couple of the guys, like the big-time guys, like Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon, I think those are California guys. I don't think they're just deep South North Carolina guys or South Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee. I don't know. I don't think they were those. I think, I mean, there are a lot of drivers from all over now. But again, it hadn't gained in popularity. And I saw Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints. He geared up with his Bubba Wallace gear. I'm venturing or thinking about getting some Bubba Wallace gear because, again, you want to support him because that's a pioneer move right there. That's a Jackie Robinson-esque move. Now, he, of course, he not nowhere near what Jackie went through, but he had a hell of a lot more to deal with than anybody in the NBA or the NFL. Don't get it twisted for one minute. But I wanted to recognize him because he got game. Now, with that, it is time to hear a word from our sponsor and take a time out. Come back, uh, hear a little bit from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. One reminder, if you have music and you want it heard on the podcast, just hit us up at music at waysworthproductions.com. Email us. Uh, we want it to be radio edit. We want it to be relatively. I don't want to have to edit out every single cuss word like I have this episode uh, from my own mouth. <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, the genre does not matter. If you're a DJ, you want, we'll play a portion of the mix at the halfway point and uh, an extended portion at the end of the podcast. But the genre is not important. Just send it to us, and we'll try to work it in and let our thousands and thousands of listeners expo- get exposed to your music more to come after the break including the lamont award but most importantly the interview with santana dotson this is the sports talk with devin wade podcast on any platform you get your podcast sports talk with devin wade wants to thank our sponsor kofi bankus and cobank homes the vision at cobank homes is simple And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-757. 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ Anarchy. Baby girl, you find yourself dog. Now you've been by the red dog. Anytime you know they're close to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby girl, I do that one dog. Baby, shit, I mean you want dog. Make with it one plus one dog. 
DJ DJ Anarchy want to thank him and again invite you to send us your music as well. Well, I want to get into what's brand new, but instead I'll skip it. Uh, in future episodes, I'll get into my vegan adventures. Vegan adventures. Not a lot else going on because I'm still relatively quarantining. I don't go anywhere. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, I probably had COVID in January. Not always. 100 i'm not what i was in december so i'm taking i'm not taking any chances but anyway i'll get into what's brand new with me next time out but i want to get into our conversation uh, with friend of the show guy who's been on plenty of times santana dotson and of course he went to jack yates high school asked him about that asked him about george floyd asked him about a number of things so without further ado here is our guy santana dotson As promised, our guy Santana Dotson, friend of the show, frequent participant. Not frequent enough. We always enjoy hearing from him. But welcome and good afternoon. How are you? Man, it's never enough time, man. I'm doing all right, Wade. How are you doing? Good, and I ask out of courtesy. But, of course, in this day of social media, I can kind of keep up with how good you're doing. I see the kids working out. I see you in wine country. I mean, I'm able to keep up with you, you know, via social media. So that's a that's a good thing. But still, wanted to know how you were. Definitely. You know, you got a pandemic going on in the midst of all this craziness. And um, just trying to occupy my mind and the kids' mind at the same time. Because if you can imagine being a teenager or a young adult and you hadn't been in school or or no athletics since about spring break or mid-March. You know, everybody thought it'd be fun to be home from school, but nobody wanted that extended visit. So even when I talk to my kids and the kids in the neighborhood, they can't wait to get back to school in the classroom setting to get back around their peers. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough thing. I know uh, they're still honoring the graduates of 2020. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, you know, this is the world. <laughs> now go out and change it. <laughs> Make it better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, hey, you know, sorry you missed your little prom, but hey, this is life. What you going to do to make it better? We screwed it up. But speaking of which, I mean, we are in such a transformative time in, in American history for so many reasons. And in many ways, your alma mater was is at the center of that with, of course, uh, the the murder of George Floyd, him being a Yates graduate. You have had contact with him You uh, when he was a youth, when he was there. First, for folks who are around the country who don't really understand the mystique and, and why it's such a big deal that he's from Yates High School. Because I think people from around the country like, well, well, okay, why are they mentioning his high school? And they don't really understand the context of what it means to be a Yates Lion. I mean, for folks around the country, what do you tell them? Uh, well, the first thing I say personally is just you're talking about a school that has tr- uh, that has tremendous historical content in the city of Houston, so much which that Reverend Jack Yates, the namesake, it was one of the first black ministers. Okay, you breaking up on, on me a little bit. Can you tell me again who Jack Yates was? Uh, Reverend Jack Yates, he was one of the first black ministers in the city of Houston. And he actually named the first church in Houston. 
So that's the namesake. And beyond that, as far as my family is concerned, my, my grandmother, who's 101, she was one of the first graduating classes from Jack Yates. My father um, went to Yates High School, my aunts. So it's a community and a family school. So it's got a lot of tradition and a lot of support. And, you know, one of the sayings is once a lion, always a lion. So that's the type of lineage or legacy good old Jack Yates has. Yeah, and, and for a lot of folks, an NFL player will be like the most famous alum. But, I mean, you guys have had a, well, a number of, uh, of athletes. But who else? I mean, a lot of a lot of politicians. Who, who, who would you say is the most famous Yates alum? Hey, you know what? That's barber barbershop and beauty shop banner. But I'll, I'll throw some names out there. You got Debbie Allen, Felicia Rashad for that generation. You got Debbie Allen. Uh, I'm sorry. You also have Dexter Manley. So he might have been one of the first athletes to come out of Yates High School. Um, you've got you've got guys today like Roland Martin the TV and radio host that came out of Yates School of Communication. So that's the quick half a dozen. But the list, again, there are many people that I'm sure I've missed, but the list goes on and on. And that's just kind of the standard that comes out of Yates High School. Kids with the ability and the mentality of that you can accomplish anything and go anywhere and be successful. So in that backdrop, of course, George Floyd murdered. First of all, I mean, how did it affect you personally when you saw it or have you seen it in, in its entirety? I know you've probably seen clips, but have you seen it? And what are your, uh, what are your thoughts about all of this that's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, to answer your question, yes, I did see the video and I couldn't even finish it because you knew how it was going to end. Uh, with someone begging for their life and the person on top of them uh, with that callous stare that they could care less about the words that was coming out of his mouth. And it had to be because of the color of his skin, of Georgia's skin, and not anything else. But the first thing that went through my mind is, well, first of all, it could have been me. and It could have happened at any time. And the second thing was feeling for his family, for his kids, people that had to watch that. And the outrage that came behind it. And I've been asking everybody, and I said this in previous podcasts, and I've asked like, Terrence Harris, a couple of people, uh, and friends of mine, do you have, can you, in in your mental Rolodex, recall a negative experience with the police? Because my, my contention is that 99% of black men have had a negative, and, and not that every... One, now I've not had every experience be a negative one, and some, you know, in some of those situations, I was in the wrong. But I have that story, a distinct story, which was really, really, you know, horrible. It was a horrible story, and it could have really ended a different way. Do you have a story in your past, like what the, the cops mistreated you um, because you were a black man or a black young man? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had several stories and several stops. I would think, like most black. Uh, men or black people, especially as a professional athlete and coming back to the quote-unquote neighborhood, a large black man traveling in a late model vehicle, you know, back when I was playing football in the early to late 90s, that would ser ser serve as key indicators for police officers that were, were uh, police in the neighborhood. So always when I came home in a late model vehicle, they'd be that traditional stop 
and kind of who are you and where you're going. And once they figured out, which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, once they figured out who and what I was about, then they left me, leave me alone for the rest of the off season until it was time for me to report back to camp, whatever city I was playing in. But, you know, I'll take it a step further. You know, as a, as a child, I recall at 19 years old asking my mom for a little cap gun. I wanted a cap gun for Christmas on my birthday, one of those things. And she sat up in a chair and she said, no, we don't do guns, particularly because it gives the police the right and a reason to shoot first and ask questions later. And, you know, you don't understand that as a nine, 10 year old, you just want that gun. But that's similar to the same situation that happened to Tamir Rice in Cleveland years later. So these things happen and have been happening for the longest of time, uh, I, I think the, the only change is it's being videoed and the camera phone. Because, you know, anybody that's my age, and I'm 49, 50 this year, anybody that's my age, we recall in our early, mid-20s, one of the first videoed evidence uh, of an event like that would have been Rodney King. And, you know, everybody thought that they, the six officers, it, what they saw and what their eyes and minds saw, that there should have been some guilt and it was excessive force. And all six of those officers got off. So that then laid the L.A. riots and a lot of marching and um, a lot of protests. And uh, the conversation started and everybody said what was going to happen through the judicial system. And we're still 20, 30 years later and we're sitting in the same predicament. I want to ask you, being a, a former NFL player, do you guys have you had conversations with guys around the league where you kind of know that certain cities are a little bit tougher? They scrutinize or torment pro athletes up more than other cities because I, I look at a city like Cincinnati, and you, they've had for whatever reason they've had a lot of incidents with black athletes in that city in the NFL. Have you had those kind of conversations uh, with folks around the league about stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times, no matter what city you play in, during training camp, you'd have those conversations and they'd even bring the police force in to kind of talk to you about the do's and don'ts, uh, the breakdown of the geographical parts of the city, the rougher parts, the parts to stay out of. And the interesting thing is that the parts to stay out of always seem to be people that kind of look like us, you know. Right. They want you to stay out of those parts and that element. But, you know, of course, coming up in the inner city or even something as simple, you like your people, you enjoy being around your people. So even something as simple as getting a haircut. I always remember since I was a rookie or any other year, I would always travel to, quote unquote, those parts of town to get the fresh haircut for game day. But uh, typically they would always talk about beginning of the season, the do's and don'ts of whatever city you were playing in. I want to ask you one uh, final question before we change subjects a little bit uh, about George Floyd. Personally, you had an opportunity to talk to that team. Uh, you had a chance to come into contact with him when he was in high school. Uh, what do you recall about George Floyd, the young man who played football for Yates? Yeah, well, I, it was 92. My junior year, and I graduated from Yates in 87. My junior year, we went 16-0 and and won the state championship. So, my rookie year, five years later, fast forward, in Tampa, I was the rookie of the year. And Yates' football team, uh, where George was a starter and one of the team leaders and the captain, had made it all the way to state, but they had lost in the state championship. So the coach reached out to me and asked if I'd say a few words to the team 
when I returned back home from Tampa Bay. I was in Tampa Bay at the time playing. So I came back and I spoke to the team, told them, of course, that the legacy that they had left and congratulated them on a strong season, even though they weren't able to get the championship but making it to the finals, they'd be creating those lifetime memories. And as I finished talking to them, you know, I'm six five in stature myself. So the coaches really wanted me to spend the time with some time with a few players, and George is one of them. I recall looking at him eye to eye. So, you know, there weren't many guys in the room that were as tall as me on that high school level. And he was six six at the time. I think he ended up being six seven, but he was six six at the time. And uh, had a few words. We talked to each other, congratulated him again, like I said. And he was trying to make the decision if he was going to go on playing football or go on playing basketball. And as we know, um, he ended up at Texas A&I, the first one in his family to go to college. But he went to Texas A&I on basketball scholarship. Now, uh, I'm in uh, again, the ramifications of that are, are far-reaching, not the least of which is – College football. I want to make the sort of the transition into college football. We're seeing a lot of coaches being held accountable for things that they have said or not said or incidents that have happened with minority players. What's your general take? I mean, we've seen folks at, at A&M worn statues taken down at Clemson. We, we have seen at UT uh, players are asking that uh, the eyes of Texas be removed, that the song be removed from the repertoire of the band. Uh, what do you, what's your take on what's happening in college football with players uh, really sort of galvanizing themselves and asking for things and demanding things of these coaches and of these uh, campuses uh, like never before? Well, I will say this in so many levels to it. This this younger generation, as we call it, they are leading the charge. And I'm I'm okay with riding. They, they driving the car. I'm okay with riding in the passenger seat. I respect and commend them for everything they're doing at these establishment, establishments, starting with the colleges and speaking out about it because they have a voice and they're using their voice. And if we really think about it, they are the ones that saw Trayvon Martin which that would have been 2006. So if they were kids when Trayvon Martin happened and we saw somebody blatantly stand his ground and shoot a young man, a young teenager that looked a lot like them, they are leading the charge now 10, 12 years later as an adult because they are making the statement now, it's time for a change and it's time for us to stop talking about it. So a lot of these colleges uh, and universities that have been given designated as oh this is the way we've been doing it for centuries or half a century this way they're making the statement that it's time to figure out another way and i love what they're doing now if a young high school recruit comes to you asking you for your advice what do you tell them because look i i see things and again we can pick on specific schools but there are a lot of them with a lot of different issues what do you tell a kid about the decision-making process as it pertains to looking at these sorts of things, looking at a coach's record, looking at what he said, what he didn't say? Uh, what, what do you tell a kid about choosing a school with this as a backdrop now? Yeah, I mean, I, I tell, I'll tell the kid that look at the man and let his record speak for itself. and Not just know, on the lot, field. I'll, not just on the field, but look at the man who's trying to – trying to make you produce you as a, a man as you come out of your situation. Because what a lot of kids miss 
is that our formative years happen in college. And what does that mean? That means you're spending a lot of kids and spending more waking hours with the coach. And listen to what I'm saying. You're spending more waking hours with the coach than you spent with your mom and dad when you were at home in high school. And you're there between the ages of 18 to 22. So you, we really need to watch and hold in high regard what we're sending our kids into. Because a lot of times what that coach, that head coach, uh, particularly the position coach, believes in, we follow that that tutelage. So the kids that are just hopping on the proverbial bandwagon because they're looking for championships or they're looking for that quick way to get to the NFL, a lot of those kids end up lost in the shuffle. I want to ask you about your school. Obviously, Baylor, have, have, has anyone reached out to you guys and said, okay, well, hey, what do we need to do? Make sure we, we're on, the, on the, the right side of things. Uh, what have you seen from Baylor? Baylor, I mean, a lot. they've been quiet. They've made the statements. You know, they've talked about what, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter situation and the situation for George Floyd and their standing in unity with everyone, uh, particularly people of color at this time. Um but, you know, we we, we got to go beyond the statements. You know, we got to go beyond the statements. We got to go beyond that and put this into action. I think uh, another thing that the timing, we talked about the, the pandemic a little bit earlier in our conversation, but I think the timing is immaculate for this, what's going on right now, because people have been protesting for over almost a month, and we we are focusing people to look at it that would much rather look away and carry on about their dailies. We're forcing them to look at it on the evening news. And what I mean by that is there's no sports on. There's nothing else on right now. So we need to be be cognizant of that. Before we jump back in the basketball arenas and go back to college football and all those places, we have the right to ask for the things we're asking for. And at the end of the day, all we're asking for is equality and justice. You know, we aren't asked for anything else that any other person would want in the United States of America. And we're we're long past overdue it. So I just think it's time. And like we talked a little bit earlier, that these these students and these young adults that are leading the charge and a lot of them don't look like us. And so I think that's even a stronger message, because whether they're Caucasian, Latino, Asian, or African-American or black, they know that, hey, this ain't right, and it's time for us to do something different. I want to ask you about, well, of course, the pandemic hadn't gone anywhere, despite uh, what some politicians want us to believe and opening up the, the world like this thing is not still going on. What do you think is going to happen? Let's start on the college level. Do you think we're going to have college football? We've seen U of H, have, University of Houston, have a situation where six players have tested positive, and they were only in the voluntary workout stage. They've discontinued that. We've seen other players, uh, and, and we'll get to the NFL, but on the college level, we're seeing players from all over. Now you have certain schools wanting kids to sign releases. Do mm-hmm. you think – what What do you think? Is it too soon? Should we be doing this? What What do you – and then what do you think will happen? What do you think should happen, and what do you think will happen? Well, I think one of the things you always got to remember is the money is the bottom line. So if you understand money being the bottom line and people trying to get the the powers that be trying to get the economy rolling, you start understanding 
why they're opening the economy, why they're talking about going back to school and things like that. Is it too early? Yes, I definitely agree. So we need to protect ourselves as individuals before we do anything else. You know, there's so many questions. You got more questions than answers. And we start talking about uh, not only getting back to workouts where people are coming up with the coronavirus, but how do you feel a stadium? And how, how do you how do you feel the stadium? How do you take tickets? You know, how, what do you do about concession? All these things that are two months around the corner from happening. We don't have um, any How do you make those? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, you have no answers. So, and what if you are the kid at Baylor? You're supposed, you're supposed to 14 days of quarantine. So let's say Baylor goes and has a game in Georgia, for instance, and a coach or a player falls ill in Georgia. Are we leaving them there? Are they flying back on the plane with the rest of the team? Is the coach supposed to drive them in the car? Because their parents are back at home with their expectation for the child. And none of those questions are being answered because this is uncharted territory. Yeah, and I wonder, and and this is the thing, and this goes for the NFL as well. NFL is a little bit different, Monster, because you're talking about millions of dollars in the pockets of a workforce. College, these guys, they're not making money. So, you know, what they don't talk about, and I don't think anyone knows yet, is that when you talk about COVID, it's a primarily it's been a respiratory disease or, or virus. So what happens? What what does recovery really look like for a world class athlete? I mean, he may be COVID free, but th- does he have lasting or lingering respiratory issues that may uh, impact his ability to perform? I mean, there's so many things we don't know. I I just don't I don't know how we can navigate this right now and i understand the necessity and the economic impact not only on the athletic programs but on the university themselves but at the end of the day like you you're a parent college age kids and so what do you how do you make your decisions about okay is my kid going back on campus are they going to study remotely what how are you handling as handling all of this as a parent you're exactly right you know you 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 have to tell the kids that I'll tell my kids to make sure they have their best interests uh, at hand. Take it with a grain of salt, everything that's trying to be delivered to them and make sure they're in clean and safe environments, you know, but that being said, you know, when you're dealing with a school, when you're dealing with a school and schools have, let's just say freshman English, you know, freshman English, I was at Baylor and Baylor had 450 kids that sat in the classroom three times a week. You know, same thing at University of Texas, same thing at Oklahoma, where my daughter is. So how do you how do you suppose that those kids are going to school sitting in that class three times a week and somebody's affected and they're taking that back to where? And then we're gonna play sports on top of it. I just have a hard time seeing the direction it's going unless the numbers really start to decline. And we're not seeing that in Texas. Right. You know, I don't know about the other states, but we're not seeing that in Texas at this time. Do you? Uh, is your daughter going back in the fall? How is that? I mean, is she going to participate? Well, well in right, right, yeah, right now she's been home. My daughter's a volleyball player at Oklahoma, so she's going into her second year. She's been home since spring break. Right now, they're telling her maybe July, but you know, it's on a week-to-week check-in basis. So maybe she'll go back in July for. A summer and a workout session, 
And then volleyball season starts in August. You know, classes start the end of August. But right now, they're week to week trying to figure it out. You know, the what football, you the football uh, team at the, the football team at Oklahoma, they're not back. But then, like you said, you've got places like University of Houston and Alabama, UCF, where they checked in for workouts, and you got a half a dozen to a dozen players that came down with the virus. So, what are we doing about it? Right. And, and do you feel, as a parent, uh, that hey, w- will you put veto that and say, "Well, no, I don't think she's going right now. We need to." Or do, or what questions need to be answered for you as a parent before you say, "Okay, you can go back"? Yeah, I need to know all the safety and precaution precautionary measures that are being taken in the classroom, not only in the classroom, but also on the court. I mean, I think you can social distance. I'm talking about volleyball now. I think you can social distance on the volleyball court. But I don't know if you can get into competition competition when you get to September. And if you get to September and you're talking about being competitive and starting the season, then what does that look like on travel? What does that look like on the road? What does that look like in hotels? You have to be able to answer all those questions. And right now, they don't have those questions answered. Want to shift gears here real quick before we let you get out of here on the NFL uh, we've seen uh, reports that da- Ezekiel Elliott and a couple Dallas Cowboys have tested positive. Uh, the Texans, uh, some Texans have tested positive. Uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, says, hey, they anticipate this, yet they seem to be moving forward. Is the NFL, are they just myopic? Are they just not really reading the situation? Or are they just full steam ahead and what, whatever happens, happens, we'll just keep moving forward? Yeah, what what I read again, if you, if you once you start realizing that money is the bottom line, um, you start understanding the reports and the quotes and the comments, because what I read is from the draft to the off season workout programs, and that's away from the media. Most things that the NFL has already lost two billion dollars with a B. Wow! So. So they are really, you know, and all these major sports are trying trying to put something together so they don't drop the whole season. And, and again, you're talking about NFL and the professionals. Uh, some are talking about starting it early. Some are talking about starting the season late. You know, what does it look like in the stadiums? They don't have any of that answered. And they're hoping, I think that's why a lot of the things federally went state to state, let the states be in charge of it, because – everybody's hoping that there's some type of decline, but there isn't. I mean, even in California, and I believe New York as well, what, what their governors are saying is there'll be no um, there'll be no stadium events or concerts until 2021. So what does that mean for football and basketball in those states? Yeah, a lot of questions there. And I want to ask you, as, as it pertains to that situation, to the NFL period, I want to – ask you about Colin Kaepernick and and obviously Mm -hmm. with the Black Lives Matter movement we've seen uh, a lot of I I saw Goodell make a statement I didn't I never imagined that he would make when he said hey we stand with the players we're willing to kneel Uh, he would like to see a team sign Colin Kaepernick do you think all of that's just lip service or do you think that there's a sincere change of heart from Roger Goodell Uh, because we still haven't heard from a lot of owners but from Roger Goodell, yeah. how do you what's your take on that and the Black Lives Movement there? Yeah, I, I don't think that. I think Roger Goodell, like you say, lip service. He's a spokesperson for the owners, so um, the owners have not said enough at all. 
Um, and these are the same owners that invest in the in the president because of the tax write-offs, you know, because of the monetary situation. So they don't want to ruffle many feathers. I think that um, Trump, again, he fails to see the the viewpoint of why the knees why the knee was happening by Kaepernick in the first place, just by his quote after the George Floyd situation. That being said, people, several people have asked me about the Kaepernick situation. I think the ideal thing, four years is a long time. Take it from a professional athlete that played for 11 years. Being out of a game for four years is a long time. I think it would be a win if the NFL would put a package together for Kaepernick to be their spokesperson or their point person on the whole social justice that cost him his career in the first place. So they allowed Kaepernick to engage on behalf of the NFL social justice platform, and he would designate exactly what it looks like. He would hire the folks up underneath him, and he would go to major cities and NFL cities and speak on the behalf of the NFL as an ambassador role. And the first, and the first city I would have him start in would be a Minneapolis, a Minnesota and go speak on that behalf. I think that would be a win-win for everybody. Um, of course, he probably wants to play. You know, I think I could still play, and I've been retired for 15 years. But when I say four years is a long time, it is a long time to get your body back in shape and in that position. And let's also, uh, on the honest nature of it too, he was actually was not a starter for the second half of the season before he was released. So all of that stuff plays a part in it. Um, do I think he has the ability to play? I think what I've seen and what we've seen in quarterbacks in the NFL place, uh, as far as quarterbacks, there is a place for him. But I wouldn't want to micromanage that situation. I'd look at more of the macro. If I'm Colin, what gives me a bigger platform? Is Am I okay with just playing and maybe throwing a couple of touchdowns if I get back out there? Or has this really become a movement? that I can put my name and stand by for generations to come. And I think it could really turn into something like that. Yeah, well, I'm, I wonder. I know the the desire, the burning desire to say, hey, I still want to play. And I also know that it takes a certain mindset to make it to the NFL in the first place because every, everything and everything, everybody around you said, oh, no, that's a one-in-a-million shot. And so guys have overcome incredible odds just to get there the first time, and I think that mentality lends itself to saying, yeah, I can come back again. So I, I don't mm -hmm. know. But ultimately, like I said, it's his decision. And But yeah. like I said, you know, man, with that, man, I really and, – and then, and, then and then another component to that also is he sued the NFL, so will they really hire him back? How many times have we worked at Foley's or Dillard's or a department store or wherever we work, UPS, and we sue him? And they it was they we we found got found in our favor for wrongful termination. We got compensated. Then do you really want to go back and work for these people? <laughs> right, right. Let, I mean, because a lot of people are talking about that. But let, but mind you, when I tell you the NFL typically doesn't pay out, they will fight you tooth and nail. And they they paid out and they said we are wrong. We're going to cut this check. I mean, if even if you talk about the guys in the CTE lawsuit. They, they are fighting that CTE lawsuit tooth and nail as far as the concussion protocol. So the NFL is not known for paying. So the fact that they paid this young man, I don't know how much he's, how much juice he's going to get out of that tournament. 
<laughs> well, I tell you what, and the only difference is yeah, you if you get fired from Foley's, you can go to Joskies. That's, now that's old school. <laughs> that's old school H Town. No, but, but, but there you go, Joskies. That's right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I went way back. I went Gulf Gate Mall on you there on that one. But, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, but no, you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, a tough, tough situation. And like I said, I I don't know. I, I I've suspected for a little bit now that he did not want to come back. And and this was because what what convinced me was after the workout, which he got progressively better as the workout went on. Uh, I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was a debacle from the beginning. When you when you think about oh, it was supposed to take place here, then it, it moved it thirty miles away. But when he afterwards when they interviewed him, he's like, yeah, I want the owners to stop being scared. And I'm like, oh, when you yeah. talk like that, you I mean, any any man with an ego is gonna be like, wait a minute, what? scared it, you right. know, exactly so that, that's quite antagonistic <laughs> that's not you know that's not making right. it easy for an owner to sign you when you say stuff like hey that. and we hey we all been on the school bus in the cafeteria too d and uh, with the first one to talk about i ain't scared they that you scared <laughs> i ain't scared you scared they they usually the one that's most fearful ain't they <laughs> yeah that's that's how it normally goes man but i'm i'm glad that we had a chance to connect uh, i mean unfortunately we can't talk about football just yet but i mean a lot of green yeah. bay uh pack of questions uh, left to ask and some, oh, and some stuff yeah. about the Texans. We'll have to get to when we know when and if they will, there will be a uh, NFL season. But I certainly appreciate it, man. We always enjoy having you. All the time, man. Anytime you need me, you know I'm there, man. Appreciate you. One thing I got, Santana Dotson, always great to have him. Looking forward to having conversations with him about the Green Bay Packers and the Houston Texans and all of that good stuff. But now it's time for the Lamar Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamar Award usually goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Now, I want to get into this. And uh, a lot of times, you know, the NFL season is, is coming. And before you get to the season, there are a lot of opportunities to promote the season and the team and press conferences and mini camps and, and many, many camps and all the stuff that goes on in the unveiling of a new player in a new uniform. Well, Tom Brady, of course, left the New England Patriots for the Lamont Award recipient of the episode. Now, what could the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done during this sort of dormant period in the NFL season to earn the Lamont Award? Well, I'll tell you exactly what they did. So you miss out on these opportunities to promote Tom Brady. Now, you don't have to do much because he's Tom Brady. We've had the aerial shots, the helicopter shots of him and working out with his teammates in shoulder pads at a local high school, all of that good stuff. But the excitement is not enough for the organization. They have to put out new pictures of a, I guess, a new uniform or sort of altered. I guess it is a new uniform. It doesn't look much different from previous uniforms. I guess one little spot here, one little slash here or one little logo over here as opposed to over there. Whatever it is, they have new uniforms. I guess, uh, although I can't hardly tell, but you have Tom Brady in that uniform. And of course, it's a, it's customary to have, well, I guess it would be customary to release a shot or two. 
to release a couple of pictures out to the public so your newspapers, everybody can have access to all your media, uh, all of your media partners and all of the media folks can get a picture that they can post of Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. <laughs> this is thirsty. This is stalkerish. So not only did they release one photo, not only did they release two photos, not only did they release three photos, they released 41 pictures of Tom Brady. <laughs> like 41 pictures. That is crazy. That is insane. 41 pictures <laughs> of Tom Brady in his new Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. That is unbelievable. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm like, man, look, I'm a little uncomfortable with this situation. <laughs> Can I grab my sweater and go? Tom Brady, you may not need to drink the Gatorade there. I, I don't know what it is. Look, it's, look, he's not, I mean, he's 50 years old. Tom Brady's, I mean, I don't know how much he has left. And I guess you have to leverage his popularity and his success as an all-time great quarterback to excite everybody into this frenzy. And, you know, I don't know. They, they've had some, some nicknames for it. Tampa Bay, it was one of them I heard. It was, it was something else. It was Tampa Bay and it was some other nicknames that we're, we will hear Ad nauseum, if there is an NBA, I mean NFL season, right? If there's an NFL season, we will get sick of hearing all of the little cutesy nicknames for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. But 41 pictures is excessive. I mean, even if you took 40, 41 pictures, taking 41 pictures is a lot. And then you're going to release 41 pictures? Man, that, to me, it's not dumb. It's kind of scary. It's kind of it's icky, <laughs> you know what I mean? So for that reason, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> With that, I want to get out of here and wrap this one up. I want to thank you guys for listening. But before I do that, before I let go. Before I let go, hey, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, being a part of this. I uh, want looking forward to more of your phone calls. 832-941-6614. And of course, hit me up on Facebook. Give me your comments. And really, if you listen on SoundCloud, please leave comments. If you are listening and listening on Apple Podcasts, please like and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Uh, we will be doing more things, more important things. Uh, it's a really important time, and we want to be a part of pushing the conversations forward especially in the world of sports although i my my there are a lot of gray areas these days with me and sports so uh you know i certainly appreciate that and then you indulging me i'll get into my vegan tales uh my vegan adventures next time i want to thank dj anarchy want to thank cobank homes want to thank our guy santana dotson want to thank you again and as always remember these four things Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. Anarchy. Baby, girl, you Baby, can I be your one, though? Baby, should I be